What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. And as always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And I apologize if I don't sound like myself. I have been dealing with some sort of awful virus that uh, had me laid up for the last couple days. Um, Starting to turn a little bit, but um, it has not been fun to say the least. I actually had sent an email out. Um, Quick side note, if you're not on my email list, you should probably hit pause right now and go sign up, uh, which you can do at my website, peakoptimizationperformance.com. But I had uh, sent an email about how I made the decision to train after just feeling like absolute crap. And I literally knew what was going to happen. And I said it, I was um, in the car on the way to the gym. And I said to my training partner, I was just like, there is literally no reason for me to be training today. It's pretty much the dumbest decision. And yet I made it anyway. So sometimes we know better, but we're stubborn, or at least I'm stubborn. Um, And I talked about in the email, just all the uh, different reasons that it was stupid. It was the equivalent of jumping over a $100 bill to pick up pennies because I knew that my recovery would suffer and I definitely paid the price for it. Um, I felt like I got hit by a truck and was dealing with a fever and just it kind of wrecked me. But uh, that's all right. We live and learn. Even though I knew better, still didn't make the right decision. But it's actually, um, it kind of goes along with the topic today or it's somewhat of a stretch, but I'm going to make the connection anyway, because we're going to continue with the neurotransmitter series, and I'm going to talk about adrenaline and the, uh, and the adrenaline system. So basically talking about the stress response, our fight or flight mode, um, the role that adrenaline plays, and all of that as we continue through this neurotransmitter series. Um, The reason that it kind of applies to my situation with training while I was sick um, is the fact that when stress is high and when we have this stress response, uh, so you'll see things like, you know, elevated cortisol, elevated adrenaline, it actually depresses our immune system. And from a survival standpoint, from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense. If you think about the fact that in a life or death situation, we don't really need resources going to the immune system. So our bodies are kind of designed where it's like all energy needs to be, um, you know, we have to handle this stress that's in front of us. We have to handle this life or death situation. You know, it's fight tiger, run from tiger or be killed by tiger, you know? Um, So there's no reason for resources to be diverted to the immune system. Knowing that, Doing something like training, which is, is a stress on the body, which will come with a cortisol spike, which will come with an adrenaline spike. Um, and while you're sick, it's not the best idea because you want your immune system functioning and you want to give yourself every opportunity to heal. Uh, so training, which is a stressor, will depress the immune system. Um, not to mention that it comes with a recovery debt. So, you know, actually lifting weights, the Um, response to repair the damage that's done when you're strength training uh, is it starts in the immune system so the immune system sends an inflammatory signal to repair that damage that's the process for which we build muscle Uh, you know we we break down tissue and then the immune system triggers a response to repair and rebuild and the goal is to 
you know, rebuild plus interest. So, uh, you know, to overcome, you know, your body wants you prepared for that stressor in the future. So it comes back by building stronger and thicker muscle fibers to handle that imposed stress. Um, that's, you know, if your immune system is very strong and, you know, you're breaking down muscle, um, then you have the ability to repair the damage and then grow new tissue on top of that. So if your immune system is weak, uh, you don't have that ability. So your immune system is compromised. Uh, you're just kind of fighting to get back to, to even. Uh, so it's like we've, we've dug ourselves this hole. And then, you know, with a, with a weakened immune system, um, you're trying to just get build back what you've broken down. Uh, and then in some cases, if you have a really weak immune system, it can actually be a net negative uh, where you would lose muscle in that process. But that's not super common. But just to illustrate the point that, uh, you know, having a strong immune system is important. So when you're sick, um, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do, you know, serious high intensity, um, you know, sort of strength training where you're breaking down muscle. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't ever train when you're sick. There are certain times where, like, if I just have a cold or something like that, uh, it feels good just to get in there and sweat it out. But we want to be smart about it and understand that recovery is important. So, um, again, the the phrase, like, jumping over $100 bills to pick up pennies really applies here. Um, and that's the same thing with, like, sleep. You know, when you are, you know, seriously short on sleep and you're like, all right, well, I have to do, I have to get into the gym anyway, um, you have to understand that you're going to see some similar uh, responses from the body. You're, you know, that lack of sleep is um, you're going to have higher stress and then you're getting into the gym. You're really not putting yourself in a position to gain a whole lot of benefit from that session. Um, once again, that's not just to say across the board that you shouldn't ever train if you don't get like eight hours of sleep. Uh, but it's hopefully, you know, to understand that uh, the priorities are you know, how can I, what can I get out of this session? Am I able to recover from it? Am I able to actually get a benefit from it? And then there's different strategies to how to train that will make a difference. But I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent. We're going to get back to adrenaline and our body's fight or flight mode. So, you know, some of the things that you'll see, uh, so adrenaline is basically, uh, it's kind of designed to be like this turbo boost, um, kind of morph us into this alpha version of ourselves to handle a stress. And this is, um, you know, from a survival standpoint, again, we want to be able to, you know, eat, you know, it's life or death. Basically, that's what your body thinks. Uh, your body doesn't know the difference between emotional stress or physical stress or anything like that. The response is going to be the same regardless. So it's basically treating it like a life or death situation. So um, you're going to see uh, increase in glucose circulation because we want energy to be able to handle the stress. Um, you're going to see an increase in blood flow to the muscles. You're going to see an increase in heart rate, an increase in blood pressure, an increase of oxygen to the muscle, uh, better focus, better concentration, um, all of this stuff with adrenaline. And that's going to kind of turn you into this alpha version. So you're even going to be more confident. You're even going to be, you know, more alert, more awake. Um, if you've ever met somebody who is adrenaline sensitive, you'll see that, you know, when adrenaline's low, they're very insecure. They're very, they're not very sure of themselves. They may lack, may lack confidence or just be more introverted. Um, if they're sensitive to adrenaline, they're going to respond very favorably to it. They're going to have a heightened response when adrenaline's increased. So they turn into this, you know, alpha version. 
all of a sudden they're more outgoing, they're more confident, they're, they're louder, they're more extroverted. Um, you know, the best example of that is like Bruce Banner and the Hulk. So, you know, at rest, he's like this shy, nerdy dude. And then all of a sudden the Hulk comes out. Um, that is like a overblown example of somebody who is adrenaline sensitive. Now, you know, all these things that happen in response to stress, it also, um, there's a strong relationship between cortisol and adrenaline because uh, cortisol actually increases an enzyme called the PNMT enzyme, which converts noradrenaline to adrenaline. So noradrenaline is the precursor to adrenaline, um, which you'll actually see when, you know, um, somebody who responds well to fasting or they say they feel better focused when they're fasting, it's because uh, fasting is also a stress on the body, but you'll see that you know they respond favorably to noradrenaline, so they have better focus and concentration. Typically, that would be somebody who also has high levels of acetylcholine because it will reduce the conversion of noradrenaline to adrenaline. So they kind of stay in this focused state where um, you know they're not responding to adrenaline because acetylcholine will actually reduce the adrenaline activity. Uh, so they kind of have this protective mechanism in place where they're um, responding well to noradrenaline. Um, but I, again, we're going to talk about acetylcholine in a later part of this neurotransmitter series. Uh, but just to paint the picture that noradrenaline is the precursor to adrenaline, and then cortisol will increase the enzyme that converts noradrenaline to adrenaline. So you'll see that those things kind of correlate. When adrenaline is high, cortisol is high. They, they often go hand in hand. Uh, so, you know, if you think about um, handling a stress and all of those things that happen in the body to prepare you for this stress, um, you know, the, the um, increase in blood pressure, the increase in circulating glucose, the increase in heart rate, you know, all these things, um, think about that for an extended period of time, right? Uh, those aren't very good for health to be, you know, to think about high blood pressure, um, you know, high levels of circulating glucose, you know, increased heart rate. We wouldn't think that makes a lot of sense for those things to, to occur um, over a chronic period, you know, chronically or over a long period of time, right? Uh, from a health standpoint, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to have high blood pressure for a really long period of time. So our bodies kind of created this, this protective mechanism to keep us from uh, having health issues from our own body's stress response. Now, let me explain. Um, adrenaline is like this turbo boost, right? We want it for a short period of time. We want to handle the stress, get it done with, and then get things back to normal, get back to homeostasis. And if stress is chronic, if that stress response happens over a longer period of time, our body is going to protect us by desensitizing the, the um, receptors that adrenaline attaches to. So mostly the beta receptors. So you're going to have these um, adrenaline receptors that will basically become desensitized to your body's own adrenaline. And that's a, a protective mechanism. Now, you know, this can happen. It, you know, a lot of people know about, you know, insulin resistance as an example. Um, becoming resistant to your body's own insulin is something that happens over a long period of time. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It has to, it occurs over a, a long period of overproducing insulin and all these other factors. Now, adrenaline is different. Adrenaline, because 
it's not healthy for us to have this, you know, elevated blood pressure and increased heart rate and increase in circulating blood glucose uh, for several hours. We don't want that elevated for several hours. So the adrenaline receptors can become desensitized, you know, in simply one day. You know, you could see that happen in several hours. Now, what happens when the receptors are desensitized is you're no longer responding to your body's own adrenaline, which means that you're not able to get into, you're not able to get into that stress response mode, that fight or flight mode. Um, and so you'll start to lack motivation, you'll lose energy, you'll lose focus, um, you'll feel just lethargic, kind of just feel like crap, basically. Um, most of the time when people talk about CNS fatigue, they're referring to desensitization of the adrenaline receptors. Uh, your, your central nervous system doesn't really fatigue. One of the most common explanations for this is you've just become um, desensitized to your body's own adrenaline. So you're not getting that same response from it. Uh, so you're not able to you know, feel more energetic. You're, you're just more tired. You lack motivation. Uh, you just kind of feel like crap. And and it's like it's hard to get a pump because adrenaline's also responsible for muscle contractions um, and you know confidence and strength and all this stuff. So you you no longer feel just that your workouts will suffer. Um, you know you'll, your recovery will suffer, and then you have on top of that if it's if it's a chronic issue, you also have chronically elevated levels of cortisol, which can come with a whole other host of problems. Um, you know from dealing with chronically elevated cortisol, which is something that we don't want to be elevated all the time. It's the same kind of path that we want with adrenaline. So cortisol, you know, we want if let's say we're training, we want that acute cortisol spike to help us with, you know, mobilizing energy to get through that session. And then we want it to go down. So that's why uh, one of the best things to do after a workout. So let's say you train, you're going to have increased cortisol and you're going to have an increase in adrenaline. Um, post-workout, you know, we want to calm down the central nervous system. So we want to kind of shut off that adrenaline response. One of the best ways to do that is through having uh, carbs post-workout because that will increase serotonin, which will calm down the nervous system. But also magnesium is a great supplement, which will actually um, dislodge or detach, you know, adrenaline from the receptor. And so something like magnesium torate or magnesium glycinate um, or even glycine which will shut off cortisol so if you look at carbs as like the shut off valve to cortisol and then we look at also serotonin being able to calm down the central nervous system um, so you know i think meal timing often gets overblown but if we actually look at it from how can we achieve a certain neurological state and post-workout we want to kind of shut off that adrenaline response we want to shut off that cortisol cortisol response um, then it makes sense to kind of look at that from a post-workout standpoint of what can we do to achieve the neurological state that we're trying to accomplish um, and that's just one of the ways that i try and look at it. i don't look at it like oh we have to um, you know immediately hit this muscle building window of opportunity because that's been proven in studies to be kind of irrelevant it's more about the overall you know how much you're eating in a day but um not you know what i'm eating right after my workout but if we look at it from trying to achieve a certain neurological state and try to manage our hormones and neurotransmitters then um, you know it kind of makes a lot of sense to uh, pay some attention to what you're doing after training um, especially if you're somebody who is dealing 
with chronic stress, if you know that's an issue, uh, it becomes even more important. Uh, so for most, you know, some people just are lower stress levels. Um, it's not as important for them, you know, to immediately post-workout, have some carbs and protein and, and take care of, the, you know, that. Whereas some other people are more of your, you know, higher anxiety, more chronic stress in their lives. So it, for them, it becomes a little bit more important. Now, the other interesting thing with adrenaline is it is fabricated downstream from dopamine. So oftentimes what you'll see is that um, for those who overproduce adrenaline, you also end up depleting dopamine because it's almost like you're using up those resources um, to create dopamine. And uh, dopamine depletion can be another uh, common thing that's often confused for CNS fatigue or described as CNS fatigue. Um, in the last part of this neurotype series, in the last episode, I talked about the dopamine, uh, dopamine and the dopamine system. And basically, um, depleting dopamine is like one of the worst things you can do. You will feel like absolute crap. You will have no motivation, no joy, no pleasure, no sex drive, um, something that you definitely do not want to experience. So again, with chronic stress, overproducing adrenaline, you're kind of using up resources since it's, um, you know, adrenaline is downstream from dopamine. Um, so that's another important thing to keep in mind. Now, when it comes to the dopamine, serotonin, adrenaline relationship, um, if your body is low, in serotonin and high in dopamine, your body will produce more adrenaline to balance that out. Because again, by increasing adrenaline, you're decreasing dopamine. Uh, and your body always tries to maintain this uh, stable relationship between dopamine and serotonin. And one of the ways that it does that is through manipulating adrenaline. Um, just another interesting way that uh, our bodies are pretty damn smart. And we'll find a way, uh, no matter how much we try to fight against them, it, it's kind of, you know, we're, we're not going to win that battle. Let's just put it like that. Um, so uh, very important neurotransmitter when it comes to handling stress and also to keep in mind to remember that we want adrenaline to be like that turbo button, like the NOS in our car. We want it to be activated for a short period of time, handle the stress, get the job done, and then shut it off. And um, knowing that the receptors are very prone to becoming desensitized, which is definitely something that you do not want, um, it helps to understand that and to kind of cater your nutrition, your training, and your lifestyle around that. So I always look at it as, you know, how can we achieve a certain neurological state when we know um, the personality that we're dealing with, when we know the lifestyle factors that we're dealing with, and then we can make informed decisions about how to manage those things and help people feel their, their best. And that's really what it's all about. You know, creating awareness around our, our brain chemistry is really about uh, helping you feel your best and just being more aware of what you're doing in certain situations. Um, so that's really what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, if you appreciate this information, can you please Give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And also, give me a shout-out on Instagram so I know who's listening. Just tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and we will continue with the Neurotransmitter series uh, in the next episode. So I will talk to you then, and I appreciate you.